Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Ben Hunter and I am thrilled to be in the podcast studio again with Rachel Treasure, um, who's come a long way to see us and uh, introduce us to her new book, White Horses. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you, Ben. Um, How are you going? You're very busy at the moment. You have a very busy life. um, And now you've got this massive new book. Um, Tell us about it and how are you going? Yeah, I'm absolutely ecstatic to be here (laughs) because that that flight coming up from Tasmania gave me a chance to read and sit still. Um, (laughs) We are regenerating 100 acres of um, decimated farmland down in Tassie. When I say we, it's my teenage children and my beautiful fiancé, Daniel. Mm. And in that... In that process, we've, we, we exhaust ourselves but also exhilarate ourselves because we can, over the past three years, we've seen this land come to life, but it means moving livestock every day. We've had a drought situation, so it means feeding them every day. But despite the lack of rain, we can still see the land coming alive. So just to be at Booktopia and have white horses here, which is, I guess... Um, it's my fictional version of what we can do with land management. I'm just so excited. Yeah, well said. Um, this book, when it arrived, um, I got an email um, with a JPEG saying, uh, Rachel Trevor, Rachel Treasure cover, um, please, please pop this on your website. And I opened up this JPEG and I thought, wow. <laughs> this is something completely different. Um, we've, we've, we've moved away from the rural romance trope, um, the, the hat and the gate, um, the bales of hay, um, and I thought, is this going to be something completely and utterly different? Um, and uh, finally, some copies of the books have, have arrived, and we've just been um, having a look at them, and it is just you. Um, but it's also something new and exciting. So do you want to inter- introduce us to this story? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll take us back 20 years or thereabouts sure. when Jillaroo first came out. Yeah. Now, Jillaroo... Um, oh, we didn't know Jillaroo was going to be so well loved by so many people. And what it did, it opened the door for uh, other publishers uh, to to look at rural women's fiction. But in that, I guess, evolution of that genre, we kind of got lost. Well, my, my intention got lost. My intention was to broaden people's perspectives of rural Australia, look at the real issues like rural youth suicide, soil decline, succession planning where a lot of land just gets given over to boys and women aren't even considered in that. Um, So there were some very serious issues that I wanted to bring to my writing Um, and I guess with White Horses, HarperCollins have just done the most brilliant job with the cover to say this book is about Australia and it's about landscape and it's about what this this beautiful continent that we live on um, by the sea and um, it's transcended anything I could have hoped for in um, not so much rebranding because that makes it sound you know hollow um, but in speaking to people who want to pick up a book that has yeah. depth to it. Yeah, and you're going to reach a, a broader range of people. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, women's wisdom is at the heart of this. So I did not want some perfect model looking passive and wistful in the landscape on the on the cover of my book. So, um, you know, all credit to the designers at the <laughs> HarperCollins team. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about Drift and... Um a story? Yeah, I can. Driftwood is my 
character. Yeah. <laughs> Her surname's Wood, you know, and I'm a Tassie girl where nicknames reign supreme. Uh, and uh, so Drift is my protagonist and we meet her at 21 years of age. It's her birthday and she's living this really rugged life with her father who depends on alcohol to mask the pain of losing Drift's mother to the sea when Drift is a little girl. And so Drift has some difficult cards dealt to her and I wanted to throw my character into the expansive coastline of rural Western Australia mm-hmm. and make her live, will be raised without technology, without the screen. And so here we have a 21-year-old woman living alone with her father and the only access point for her education and wisdom comes from the land around her, but also um, the women that drift into her drift. There you go. <laughs> drift into her life. So we have Charlie Weather- Weatherburn, who's a mobile saddler, and she is a she's an elderly lady that crafts the most beautiful saddlery, and she's very wise. She's that got that bush basicness to her and then you've got Wilma who's a mobile librarian and later on we have Sophia who's uh who uh, let you people will meet her later on in the book but she's my um representation of the power of regenerative agriculture and how we can rehydrate and restore landscape so you've got this wonderful um dynamics happening within the novel from the Mm. outset with this lovely character of drift yes and um uh, regenerative agriculture is a thing. Um, uh, you mentioned the uh, suicide on the land. There's all these different influences coming into this book. How, how do you, how do, how have you managed to weave them in and still have a really rollicking, entertaining, and feel good um, read? Well, I have to say, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> well, do number one, <laughs> how do I do it? I don't know. What What I do, I set off with this very pure intention of. Um, using story to, uh, I guess, impart what I'm discovering as a woman. I've, I, I turned 50, you know, like mm. this is just such a fabulous age. I'm entering that crone era of womanhood where you get to have some wisdom and to look back at all your mistakes as a young girl. So um, I guess I also hung the book on um, the 13 clan mothers, which is a Native American book about the moons and the teaching of each of the 13 moons which sounds really kind of out there yeah but you'll notice in white horses the moon is referenced quite a lot and the native american uh, woman jamie sam who wrote that book um she was wanting to do the same was to to bring that um ancient wisdom back to women because with technology everything's so fast and flashy and women need grounding within the soil it's something that the ancients have always known that women and soil are interlinked and to be honest rural australia has become so masculinized and corporatized that there isn't room for women and children because we're putting herbicides pesticides fungicide onto the landscape and how can you put your babies in that? It's a war zone. And we literally f- um, founded modern agriculture on war. So the surplus from um, the bombs, superphosphate, well, phosphates, that mm. now gets put on paddocks. The government sold it to farmers in the 60s and 70s, subsidised. So that got, and that in turn destroys soil health, the superphosphate. Okay. And then 
came the technologies of war, which the nerve gases. Those technologies, they spent so much money, the governments, in developing that, they sold them then on to agriculture. So now the nerve gases technology became fungicides, pesticides, herbicides. So basically we've been at war with Mother Nature. Now as a mama bear, I'm all about peace. And so regenerative Mm. agriculture is about working with Mother Nature, not being at war with Mother Nature. And that's the beautiful element I guess is 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 what I've woven into White Horses with Sophia Guy, the character who who owns a property called the Planet. Mm. So it's there, there, there's some depth there in, yeah. in the research as well as yeah bringing it to life with a with an entertaining story. Yeah, and and it's I guess it's your story as well. I mean, um, you, you know, when you were writing uh, your first novels, um, you were on a big station with your first husband. Um, and now um, you and Dan have this uh, amazing project um, where you've bought all this land and uh, a, a, a just it's a, as an experiment, I guess, um, to see what you can do. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, we have um, 100 acres and it's um, some of the most continuously farmed uh, country in, mm. in Australia because Richmond, where it is in Tassie, that got Sydney through the famine years. So we would, the, the early settlers would grow grain there and ship it out to Sydney and it kept them going in the early 1800s. And so this land that we've come to, it was a swamp. It's been drained. It's, it's been cropped. It's been sprayed. And three years on, after we've practised regenerative and holistic farming, we can see the soil biology coming to life and it's just so heartening and it's been wonderful because conveniently it's right near the University of Tasmania and Greening Australia we had I think it was about 20 year nine kids there yesterday planting trees with University of Tasmania and Greening Australia because I think the government is starting to wake up to the fact that we need to rehydrate this landscape uh, not by putting in dams or big irrigation systems but by really caring it caring for it in an ancient wise way so there's some wonderful things happening on that hundred acres but it's after 10 years of research um and that that was inspired by a farmer called colin sice and for people who have seen the documentary 2040 colin is the pin-up boy of agriculture there and Mm. he started regen farming after he he was burnt in a fire in 1979 he was burnt the he lost everything this is in his farm is in golgong in new south wales Mm -hmm. And that put that tragedy, that crisis, put him on the path to regen ag, um, and he learnt to work with Mother Nature and nurture with her. And so he's been a groundbreaker, pardon the pun, with talking <laughs> about soil, but he's been a groundbreaker in in this. And the I guess um, you know the other thing to add is I'm I'm doing this hands on, but we. It, there's a grassroots revolution happening around the world about that. And I think, you know, white horses, I'm hoping, will just whet people's appetite to, to look for more. more. Yeah. And it's interesting because I'm still learning. Jillaroo talked about pulling what, uh, willows out of waterways, which is best practice. Yeah. Um, but I've heard people are putting them back yeah, in. Yeah, <laughs> so, so we're now working with the Maloon Institute. When I say we, the kids, Daniel and I, and we're working with the Maloon Institute. They're an hour out of Canberra and they're showing the politicians a few things about how the Aboriginals knew how to keep the chain of ponds in a landscape healthy and that in turn fed the the land f- from this, this beautiful healthy water mm-hmm. system. And so um, 
again, to be uh, look 20 years on, still learning, but also walking into this network. And White Horses represents all that and more for me. So I just feel really um, excited and, and empowered about this book. And I know um, people who are ready for it will, will um, I guess, find something for themselves within it. What do you make of the, uh, the social landscape um, in rural Australia and, and how do you think, has, has it changed over the past decade or so? Um, I think it's, it's definitely changing. We've had um, more women on farms, you know, having a more active role. But a lot of times, and this is what White Horses kind of imparts, women are often taught to emulate men, you know. So we've got women playing sport and footy, and which is great. And, you know, that's it, fantastic. We've got women in mine sites now and working the big rigs on farms mm-hmm. and, you know, tracked with the GPS ploughing. And But I think what's missing now is that element of wisdom that, Food is not a commodity. Food is not economics. It's ecological health. And um, I think now we there's more young people using technology to spread that message. So I think we've got a really bright future. We, because of the World Wide Web, because of information sharing, we, we're asking questions about what we call we're mob grazing our, our animals. And we can um, talk to a rancher in North Dakota to ask about, yes. you know, how to mob graze. Or, you know, and there's young guns that are just onto this the climate change element. And you know, I've studied soil biology and soil health and, you know, I've even... Do you think maybe the um, uh, climate disaster is getting younger people interested in the land again? Because I know a, a big issue is young people moving away from rural Australia and into the big cities. Is as Are we seeing a bit of a reverse of that? Well, I would, I'd like to think so. I think that young people are now hankering for something that is a little more still and there's nothing more still and rewarding than growing something or keeping something alive. Mm. Modern day agriculture is mostly about killing things. You want to grow <laughs> yeah. one plant, but so you have to kill everything to grow that one crop, which is just madness. So Regen Ag is attracting young people and we had a wonderful conference in northern Tasmania and there was some... Um, you know, a lot of young people there that really get this stuff and really get it quickly. And I think that's why um, I may drift 21 years of age. Like I'm a 50-year-old woman writing about someone who's 21, but I really wanted to capture the imagination of these young people and get it so that regenerative agriculture is a is a key word and a key way forward. And I think... Um, People who have read my books, um, particularly Down the Dirt Roads, my non-fiction, I think that's really um, given them some leverage into changing their actions. And you know, I see rural Australia thriving under Regen Ag. It's just farmers are marketed to by corporations. They're marketed right. to by seed companies, by fertiliser companies, by big machinery companies. With Regen Ag, there's nothing to sell. There's nothing... Yeah, so... Yeah, it's one of these grassroots things that I think people who are ready for it will embrace it and White Horses shows that. Are you getting your kids into it? Oh, yeah, my kids (laughs) Mike, I used my son's beautiful Kelpie to move the sheep this morning before I flew out. He was at school, so I I 
there were some lambs out and my son he's um, 14 he's done the most magnificent job of training this little kelpie so he's already and he's dry you know he drives tractors he's already a little farm man and my daughter is um she she's a real horse girl and she's um she has chickens and raises the hens and sells the eggs at her she does riding for the disabled and she sells oh, yeah she sells her eggs there so i think they they're country through and through they they're, they're awesome. just divine little human beings Oh, Rachel, you've got this um, huge tour ahead of you going all over the country um, and I think you're going to be selling uh, squillions of this thing. Um, I want to thank you for your time today. I've got just a few more questions. It's a speed round. Yeah, speed. Wanna, yeah, wanna, let's have let, we'll have right, a bit of fun. I'm, let's I'm do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is a bit of a surprise but give it, give, it, right. give it a whirl. Oh, it should be easy. Yeah. You'll be a pro. All right. Uh, last book you read and adored. What was it? I'm still reading it, but Meg Bignall's The Sparkle, oh, the Sparkle Pages. Pages, I can't get my head out of it. It's just phenomenal. So Sparkle Pages, everyone, for, especially for mama bears. <laughs> <laughs> um, where do you write and at what time of day? Uh, I write in the ute or the four-wheel drive and um, it could be yeah any old time. I write at school pickup. I write at two in the morning. I write whenever I can grab the opportunity. I love it. Um, do you have neat tricks or word count, word quotas, things that you do to sort of inspire you if you're feeling um, dry? Um, no, because I think when you're a mother and you're so busy, you are hungry to get to that computer. Yeah. So when I'm there, I'm just, I'm like a little kid. I'm so excited. So it just, it flows. Um, what's the first thing you do after you delivered a book that's finally finished? I, I would like to say that I'd like to get under the doona and cry for a week, but my <laughs> lifestyle doesn't impart that. So I just do what I do every day, which is go out and move electric fencing so I'm regenerating <laughs> <Yeah>. my land. <laughs> um, who's, do you have a first person, like a trusted reader, that you um, share your work with first? Oh, not really. It used to be my mate, Kath Mace, who I have to say, congratulations, Kath, on becoming Bacon Fest Queen this year. That's a little... Little girls get together, bacon fest. <laughs> they drink beer and eat bacon. The girls, but um, so it used to be Kath, but we're all so busy. I, I no, I don't have a first trusted reader. I, I, I mean, I guess I trust. I, I do a lot of meditation, and I, I trust. It's like it's like it sounds a bit woo woo, but I trust the higher power. I trust the, the, that I'm just a channel for this. So I get out of the way, and I just trust this is what's meant to go out. Great. Um, do you have a favourite children's book? Oh, well, I, I, I've forgotten the title, but I was just talking <laughs> to Booktopia's Bron about it, which was Alexander McCall Smith. I think it's oh. a, a dog and his boy, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which we, I love. We were talking about that. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have a preferred snack while you're reading and writing? Oh, I usually try to do a cup of tea and <laughs> a preferred snack. Oh, you can't go past Pringles chips, can you? They're Pringles kind are good. Of, yeah. They're probably salty. really bad for the planet. But anyway, shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that, Pringles um, Company, sorry. <laughs> um, is, is there one wonderful, nice thing that someone said about you writing once that has stuck with you that you always go back to? Oh, isn't it interesting? Because I was listening to a neuroscientist the other day, as you do, and he was saying that um, 
positive comments are like Teflon and negative comments are, are like Velcro. <laughs> and I know on, I know with White Horses there was this thing on Goodreads that just devastated me and I was going, get no, over it yourself. Yeah, I know, don't read Goodreads. Anyway, I thought, God, you're being precious about yourself, Rachel. And then um, I think it was uh, Phil from Dimex in Queensland. He wrote a review of White Horses and it was the most well-researched, beautiful review he wrote for Dimex. And um, he said, White Horses, if nothing less, is one of the most important reads for Australian women. And that just, oh. oh. And, you know, there was no, I was driving the ute at the time and Dan was unloading posts. So that I, I had a moment of, oh, that's wonderful. Stick that there in the, you know, don't let it be Teflon. But then we had to keep unloading back posts. Back to work. Yeah. yeah, back to work. I'm not saying, yeah. Anyway, it was great. One last question. Um, uh, people come to you for writing advice. Um, do you have one bit of advice that you give out or, or a bit of advice that stuck with you? Um, writing advice would be to don't do it from your ego place. Do it from your heart space. Mm. And if you've got a story to impart that's going to make the world a better place, do it. I'm, I'm not into sh- um, spreading darkness around the planet. So, um, yeah, I think just you've got to write from a place of trust. But people come to me for working dog advice and yes. pasture advice and <laughs> sometimes cooking tips, <laughs> you know. But, um, no, I'm very blessed to, to have been an author for this long. So, um, yeah, and, uh, you know, always forever grateful to readers. We're blessed to have you with us yeah. today. Thank you so much for giving up your time and coming in and having a chat. Yes, my absolute pleasure, Ben. Thank you. And you can buy Rachel Treasure's White Horses and all of her books at booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.